Hi, and welcome back to the Insignificant Others podcast. This is episode 22. I'm Brett Featherston. And Rob Flint. Rob, how are you? Doing very well. Good, good. Uh, you know, so total, uh, total disclosure here. We actually recorded this episode about uh, two and a half months ago, and we've just now gotten around to putting the intro in. But that does not mean it was a bad podcast. Actually, it was a lot of fun. It, was, it wasn't only fun. I, I think it was one of the more interesting guests we've had to date. Yeah, so the guest is Alan Peck, and Alan is the... Well, uh, what an, does I'm, he do? Yeah, what does he do? He's a voice actor. He's That's a, the, what? a voice actor, a voice... So he does voiceovers. He does voiceover, but he's he's a voice actor because he... Normally, if you said somebody did voiceovers or they're a voice actor, I would think they had this silky voice, and, and not that he has a bad voice, but he truly changes his voice for whatever he's doing. There is an acting element to what he does, for sure, which I never would have guessed heading into the podcast. But he uh, he's most known for uh, being the voiceover for, or doing voiceover for the Ellen DeGeneres show. And he showed us some of his work that he's done for Fox NFL Sports. And I think he recently became the, the voiceover actor for the Trulia.com ad campaign. That's right. That's right. And, and he's got a different voice every time he does something. So his voice on the Ellen DeGeneres show is different than what he does for Fox Sports. Yeah, yeah. No, so, you know, what, what, what really impressed me about uh, Alan's story is that to get to where he is now, he had to overcome a lot in terms of taking on some really crummy jobs, if you will, in radio that paid absolutely nothing. Yeah, yeah. You know, the the interesting thing about it is he, he's worked very hard. Yes. He's, been, he's taken his craft very seriously, and he's put a lot of time and effort to it. Yes. So it wasn't—this is a, you know, 15-year overnight success story, Mm-mm. something like— I mean, it's—he's it was, it was really interesting how he does it now and the technology and everything. Well, he's got his own studio in the back of his house. Yep. And we were, we were there uh, after we recorded the Ellen Show— called him, and so he went into his recording studio and recorded the voiceover for that particular show, which was neat to, to witness. Um, it, uh, you know, the other thing, too, is that he is always on call. I mean, right. wherever he right. goes, I mean, he, he told us that he has to, uh, at times, record uh, lines uh, in his car over the phone. Um, he'll get a call. He's got to leave. He's almost like a, a, a physician who's on call in that regard. Yeah. yeah, and I will say, one of the nicest guys you'll ever met. No, absolutely. And his, his wife, I think he's got, what, four children? Maybe five? Yeah. Um, sorry if I added one there, Alan. But, <laughs> but beautiful kids, and, and uh, he's a, a great guy. So the cool thing about it is he gets to work from home, gets to, to be there with his family, a, a super nice guy that's got a, a cooler-than-the-average job. Yeah, he is the only voiceover actor I know. <laughs> same here same here all right so i hope you like it here's episode 22 with alan peck hey welcome back to another episode of the insignificant others podcast i'm brett featherston and i'm rob flint how you doing rob I'm doing well good good so uh i'm excited about this guest we've had actors or actor maybe on before yeah. this is the first time we've had a voice actor yes a voice over actor and his story is uh very interesting to say the least yeah, yeah. So, welcome, Alan. Alan Peck, uh, noted voice actor. I love. I love how the only podcast I've ever been asked to do is called Insignificant. That's absolutely it's, 
right on par. Well, it's not it's not due to you. You are a significant person, <laughs> no. at least in our no, mind, no, no. because you agreed to go on our podcast. It's more of a reference toward Brett and I. Yeah, it's We're really, very it's really us. It's Well, once you meet my wife, you'll understand that I definitely fall into that category. <laughs> welcome, Absolutely. Welcome to the club. Yeah, Thanks. if you haven't heard the story, when we were thinking of a name, we for somehow we thought of significant others. You talk, talk about your spouse being significant others. Right. And we realized that people like our spouses so much more than they like us. Yes. That we are yeah. clearly the insignificant yeah. others. No, in I'm, I'm glad I'm in a, a, gr- a group that's married up. Yeah. <laughs> So your background is, is very impressive. You are the voice for the Ellen DeGeneres show. Yeah, that's one of my clients. That that's one of the clients that I have that that uh, everybody would know for sure. And you've done NFL on Fox. Mm-hmm. You've done uh, lots of commercials. I mean, movie trailers. Movie trailer. We've just been listening to some of your clips, and it's impressive the vast array. And I understand why they call it voice acting now because. You don't sound like you do right now. Well, it's amazing the lengths that you will go to avoid a real job. So that's really what I do on a daily basis is try to work as hard as I can to not work. That's what I do. Uh, I think Rob and I do the same yeah. thing. Unfortunately, <laughs> we you're, you're doing it out a lot like, better than we are. We, yeah, he had, we haven't figured it out to the extent that he has. Clearly. And, and so to set the scene, we are outside in Alan's backyard sitting around his swimming pool with Kevin, our producer, at the uh, boards. And this is maybe my favorite one because we get to sit outside in this lovely weather. Yeah. So thank yeah, you for Yeah, the three weeks in Texas over. we get that it feels like this. It's awesome. Yeah. Enjoy it while you can. So what I thought we'd do is go back and kind of start from the beginning about sure. how you got into this because it's fascinating. Yeah, so I was a weird kid. Uh, first off, uh, so, so I grew up around here. I grew up in Garland. Um, and my dad... Uh, before I was born, uh, was in radio. He's been in radio since the 50s. He's, he still is on the air uh, at a radio station in Dallas called 95.3 The Range, uh, where most people would know him from, uh, at least here in Dallas, was a, a station in the 70s called K-Box. And he had a morning show called Peck and Penny in the Morning. And then uh, Penny he, moved. He was the Peck, right? And he was the Peck. Yeah. Uh, and then it was Peggy. Uh, and Peggy Sears actually used to live here in a university park, and uh, her husband, Lynn Newman, and they had three kids. And and we talked about that earlier. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Lynn's yeah. a great guy. Uh, off the air. Um, anyway, so I, I grew up uh, w- with it sort of in my bloodline a little bit, but by the time my formative years, my dad was not on the air anymore. Uh, he was still in media. Uh, he worked for the Garland Police Department, and he was their public relations officer. Um, and so he would be on TV all the time. And so in one way or another, I've kind of all always grown up around stuff like this. Um, and since my dad was in radio, we had all this equipment at home because he was also an engineer. So, uh, an audio engineer. So, uh, anytime something was broken, they would just give it to my dad and then, Hey, it doesn't work and you can keep it. So we just had this massive amount of equipment at the house and, uh, at no time did dad ever say, no, you can't touch that. No, you can't play with that. No, son, don't da-da-da-da. Just free range. So uh, he just kind of let me play on my own all the time as a kid, and I fell in love with it instantly. Uh, and I've got recordings of, of me as a, as a kid watching Rangers games, and I would turn the, the volume down on the TV, and I'd do my own play-by-play. And, you know, it was when Nolan Ryan was, you know, was on the Rangers and had, like, Nolan, and you had, like, Julio Franco and Ruben Sierra and Oda B. McDowell oh, yeah. and, yeah. you know, and Pina Cavillia, yeah. Inky, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so that was 
what I love to do. Uh, and also on road trips, my dad would always play these old tapes of, uh, are you guys familiar with who Stan Freeberg is? No. Um, a, a advertising genius, but he also, basically he, he did like uh, new age versions of, of radio shows. I say new age, this was like in the 1960s. Uh, but anyway, dad would play these tapes, like one of the, uh, one of his famous records was the History of the United States. Um, and it's, it was on LP and it was basically an, an hour version of, but it, it extremely satirical version of it. And like one of the lines, uh, of Betsy Ford, uh, when she, uh, uh, was a, what was she with the flag? Betsy Ford? No, Betsy Ross. Betty Ford. Betsy, Betsy Ross. Ross. Be- uh. Betty Ford uh, was famous <laughs> yeah. for something else. Yeah, Betsy Ford, yes, yes. I'm so very anyway. familiar with Betsy Ford. And, and one of the lines is like when, when she finishes the flag, George Washington, he goes, well, let's, uh, let's raise it up the flagpole, see if anybody salutes, you know. And that was their, you know, their, their test if, if that was going to be our American flag or not. But anyway, I grew up listening to stuff like that. So I grew up listening to storytellers. Um, and, you know, my dad also has a very storytelling voice and, you know, he, he doesn't speak like a normal human at all. Like he just sounds like an audiobook narrator all the time. So people come up to him and say, to my dad all the time, people come up to my dad and, and, and just like, wow, you sound like a guy that's on the radio or on TV. You should think about that. And he was like, he goes, yeah. yeah. but zero people have said that to me and that's fine. Because yeah. that, that's kind of my yeah. angle, too, yeah. is that just being the, the normal, everyday voice the guy. So anyway, I just grew up around that stuff, and that's all I ever wanted to do. I didn't know it, it paid anything um, until, you know, later on in life. And then, uh, you know, the, the rest is, is history. It's I history. I, uh, I started, I got my first job, at least, uh, when I was 19 uh, in radio. Uh, I had an internship at uh, KISS FM here in Dallas uh, for Kid Craddock. Uh, and then um, worked my way up to other radio stations, uh, just doing promotions and a board op, meaning I was a guy just pushing buttons, playing commercials, but it wasn't on the air. Well, we were talking about this earlier, too. Uh, share with us kind of your compensation for being on the air in your first job. Yeah, so this is a great story. So first off, the, the, so it took me three years to get on the air. So I worked basically for free for, for three years, free to... Not much an hour. And then I finally got my big break to be on the air. And the way I got my big break was the guy that was uh, doing nights at the time at this country station. Um, he was Milton Doubt. Have you ever seen Office Space? Yeah. Milton. You know Milton? <laughs> the and they, yeah, the stapler. <laughs> yes. Milton the red stapler yes. and the squirrels being married. So, and they just, they didn't fire Milton. They just fixed the, the glitch basement. and they put, put him, him in the, the basement. basement, but stopped paying him. So that's what they did to this guy that was on the air. They stopped paying him. And he kept showing up for three months. And finally one night, he was like, forget this, man. I'm out of here. And I happened to be standing there doing something else at the radio station. And he walked out the door. And then the general manager said, well, you know, we got to have somebody on the air. There's a room full of CDs. Go. And that's, that's how I got wow. on the air. Being at the right place <laughs> the right at time. the right time. Yeah. But it, it took me three years to be at the right place at the and right time. And you were time. handsomely paid for that. Six dollars an hour is what I got paid for three. I mean, that's eighteen bucks. Eighteen for your bucks shift. a day. Yeah, yeah. rolling. <laughs> uh, and I worked there for like three years, and like two years into this three-year stint, I, I never made more than six bucks an hour. And there was a Jack in the Box across the street, and I'd always get <laughs> the two taco or uh, two tacos for ninety-nine cents. Uh, and 
I remember going through the drive-thru, and I was <laughs> I was really bummed out about my job, and my career wasn't really going anywhere. Because, you know, like I said, I interned for Kid Craddock. I wanted to be Kid Craddock, you know, and I'm working for a small station, not making any money. And I was going through the drive-thru at Jack in the Box, and there was a big sign up front that said, now hiring seven dollars an hour <laughs> <laughs> and i'm going to this job i've been at for two years making six dollars an hour wow. and then you know my, my mom not too happy with my career choice because uh, she knows the dark side of radio and she's like you know should have gone to college and all your friends are graduating and getting jobs and, and they're like oh mom i just i want to be famous and uh <laughs> so yeah that was uh that did was, you have to did you have a second job to augment Yes, income? second, third, and fourth uh, yeah. job. Okay. Yeah, so I wow. worked at uh, at one time three or four radio stations. At one time, I worked at a uh, a jingle company. Uh, they made uh, jingles for different radio stations and commercials, and I, I just kind of worked in the back, just editing stuff and yeah. whatever. Just in in anything that would hire me, that but I would still be exposed to the business. Uh, that's what I did. So, yeah. So so from there, when was your? I mean. You know, you talked about being in the right place at the right time mm-hmm. at that radio station. Yeah. When th- when that person was let go. So when was your first real significant big break? My first break? real full time job uh, was at a now defunct station. It's now Jack FM. Yeah. But it was a top forty station at the time called Hot One Hundred, and uh, I got hired to do overnights full time. So I okay. moved up to the midnight to six shift. Wow. Oh. Wow. You talk about some fun good request for, line stories, good, man. Good for, good for relationships, right? Good for dating. Man, so I never, uh, a, a lot of people talked about that, and uh, a lot of people had success in that realm. Uh, I, I, that was never my story <laughs> at By all. By the way, and I didn't know whatsoever. that Jack FM is now defunct, because I used to like Jack FM. No, Jack FM's still around, oh, but it's I'm still saying around. the I'm station sorry. used to be okay. something else before it was Jack FM, gotcha. and I was there when it was the, the okay. something else. Okay. So, uh, and uh, again, salary-wise, uh, it was a big jump for me. I went from making $6 an hour to I got my first contract for $19,000 a year. Oh, wow. You were raking yeah. it. Yes. You were like, oh, my. Yeah. You're going to order four tacos from, from Jack in the Box. So this, if, if anybody has ever wondered what seven credit hours from Richland Community College gets you, there's Boom. your, there's your there, number. There. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's big time. So, and at the same time I was chasing radio, uh, you know, I was uh, still chasing the voiceover dream as well. So I started both at, at the same time. So, uh, and even the way I got my, my first agent, again, I'd never really done any commercial work or any voiceover or anything. It just, all this was just in my bedroom. And so it was, uh, I, I just made my own tape full of fake commercials that I hope sounded real. Uh, and this was pre-email, right? Like no agents even had email addresses here yet. So I had to hand deliver these tapes at wow. different talent agencies ad- across Dallas. But there was only one agency that I really, really wanted to be with. It was the biggest one in town. But I knew that was my, my longest shot. Like there's no way. Um, and so, and all of them, of course, said we don't accept, you know, unsolicited submissions and whatever. So I had to try to find an angle there. So I get to that agency and I show up with my tape uh, and they said, you know, did, did somebody ask for this because we don't take unsolicited yes, submissions? I was like, yes, they did. <laughs> and, and then they go, who? And then I froze like a deer in headlights. Him. But no, I looked down and I saw a piece of paper and it had uh, lists of people in and out to lunch. So I saw that Jan was out to lunch Jan and I did. said, Jan asked to see this. Is Jan here? I hadn't talked to her in a while. How's she doing? Oh, oh she's out genius. to lunch. Wow. Oh, no. 
Uh, and anyway, uh, and that is the agent that signed me. I've been with him for 20 years now, and they called me in for an audition the next day, and uh, I've, I've been with him since I was 19 years old. Unbelievable. So. That's and Jan awesome. is a man. Jan, Jan, Jan the, the man, man Levitan. Jan the man. Now, Jan, I did not meet Jan for like five years. I had no idea who she was. She wasn't even in the voiceover department. She was like on camera in print. Um, but still, it uh, it got past the receptionist at least. So, wow. it's just these tiny, tiny little victories that man, you just I have weaselled my way into every situation you could possibly think <laughs> of. You know. <laughs> Like it, it, no, like I said, nobody's ever asked me to do anything. Nobody minus this podcast. This is this is my first big break. <laughs> oh man, it's right, right, right here. Like time out. Yeah, this is the first time. Hey, that's 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 the that's the big you know reveal at the end. Let's <laughs> yeah, not get yeah. there yet, right? right There's I mean, a lot more to talk about. Let's be so honest. This is kind of a big deal. This is a big deal. So so you I mean local celebrity? Yeah. I mean, come on. So so does Jan have a story about how got the tape? Got back from lunch or whatever. No, played. I, I mean, like you were just no idea. No story there. No, none. And, okay, the, the story wow. stops. Stops there. Stops right there. Okay, so for, but obviously they they listened to it, right? Yeah. So I did. Well, the story behind it, the, uh, where the timing worked out good, was uh, it just so happened there was a guy that uh, we our voices were kind of in the same wheelhouse, and he had just moved from Dallas to move to L.A., and so they had a void for a voice like mine and i just happened to show up at the right time wow. so and he's still in la and i'm still in dallas perfect so at what point did kind of the radio career start winding down in the voice acting take off so uh it took 15 years uh for that to happen 15 year overnight success 15 years <laughs> uh and uh a couple things happened so i, I worked at a lot of stations uh, in between this time, the last station I worked at was a country station here in Dallas, 96.3 KSCS. Oh, yeah. uh, I was the afternoon guy there. Uh, and I also had the pleasure of, before I was afternoons, I was the morning show producer for uh, the late, great Terry Dorsey. Oh, yeah. Which, uh, man, we, we, we lost a good one there. How long did you young. work with Terry? I only worked f- with him for six months, and then, and then I got moved into uh, afternoons uh, d- with my own show. Um, yeah, KSCS. I mean, that's that's big time radio. Oh, huge! Yeah, I mean, it yeah. was, I was a Terry Dorsey radio ranger when I was a kid. I would call in the request <laughs> line and and repeat after me, you know. So, uh, getting to work with with that childhood idol, uh, wow, that was just uh, definitely one of the highlights of of, of my career. Uh, and so, moved into afternoons, and then, uh, like so many other radio stories you'll hear from anybody that works with radio, we got bought by uh, a larger company. Conglomerate, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the CEO and the CFO, or a COO, uh, they were both brothers. And the day before the sale was finalized, uh, they came into uh, the cluster here in Dallas for a big powwow to give us uh, what we were thinking was going to be, hey, guys, everything's going to be okay. You know, there may be some changes here and there, but far and wide, everything's great. You know, it's usually how those are, and then it never works out that way. But whatever, at least they make an effort, right? Yeah. These brothers made no effort like that at all. Uh, They were like, y'all are gone. The first words out of his mouth were not hello, we're not hi, we're not welcome, we're not we're excited. The first words were, let's get this straight. If you don't like the way I run my company, you need to go start your own. 
Wow. And his second words were... Uh, That's leadership. I read a book that talked yeah. about that once. <laughs> second words were, uh, you know, they had no belief that Dallas was any different than Detroit, that Cleveland was the same as New York, that Miami was exactly the same as Milwaukee. No markets are any different. Whatever. So immediately I was told, you are worthless. Um, and so uh, that was uh, the, the fire I needed lit under me to really get the, the VO thing snowballing. Uh, so I gave myself a year, and uh, a year later I turned in my resignation, and, and here we are. And that was six years ago now, I think. Six years ago? Yeah. That recent? I mean, mm -hmm. wow. Yeah. So that's, that's how that panned out. So six years ago you started being a full-time voice actor. Yeah, that's when I could uh, – because – it's it's a lot more difficult with me because uh, you know I'm married and uh, we have five children. At the time we had two. Our third was just born. Um, so if you're gonna take a leap to be a freelance actor, that's typically not what I would advise anyone yeah. to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I usually yeah, yeah, do yeah. that when like when I started. Like yeah. you make that call mm -hmm. then. Um, but you know, luckily I uh, back to being the insignificant other. My my wife. <laughs> Uh, she is the real rock star that, that uh, you know, gave me the backbone and support. And at no time did she ever ask if you can do it. It was just like, you know, we'll make this when, work. when are you going to do it? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And, and, so. and again, to set the stage. So we're at the bar by your pool in the backyard. And the back house is your recording studio. So mm -hmm. you work from home. I do everything from home. Uh, that's the best part of my job, hands down, is... The time I'm able to get with my kids and my wife, and I'm I'm able to be with my kids more than any dad that I know. Um, most days I'm very appreciative of that. <laughs> um, but no, seriously, it's uh, that's that is by far the the best perk of this job. And because the bulk of the work that I do is I don't do a lot of like long form stuff. I don't do like audio books. I don't I don't do a bunch of long form narration or whatever. It's all you know, commercial work or really quick, like 15, 20 second, you know, TV promo spots, right? So it takes very little time for each job to do. So I can work a little bit, run inside, help change a diaper, run back out, say tonight at eight, run back in, get somebody to, you know, get off of somebody else's hair, run back, yeah. you know, back and forth all day. And, and, and that's my life. So that's what I do. And I'm, and like tonight I got to go take uh, our, our second oldest daughter to uh, her ballet recital rehearsal um and i was the only dad there i'm usually the only dad in most things i go to um and that's i love it i love it love it love it so tell us a little bit about how you do work because yeah. I, I find this fascinating so you have clients that are long-term clients like the ellen DeGeneres show mm -hmm. i think it's just the ellen show well, I, don't, and, and, I don't need to throw in uh, DeGeneres anymore how, i mean i guess well you've been working with the ellen DeGeneres show for how long i mean so yeah so that years, was or? the six years so the that particular client <clears throat> was the uh was the one that because i i had already gotten a, a bunch of other business and, and a lot of other clients um but but that was one that uh it was it was the biggest deal at at the time. So uh, let me because I think for most people there's that quintessential deal regardless yeah. of what you do for a living, right? Right. Yeah. <clears throat> so so what what was what was that day like when your manager or agent, I mm -hmm. mean, they, which we'll get into here in a second, but yeah. told you, hey, Alan, you got the gig. 
I mean, yeah, was so, it like fall down your knees, raise your arms, like Shawshank Redemption? That's exactly what I did. Like, uh, you know, cry, man cry moment? Yeah, no, big time man cry. Uh, the, the story leading up to that was, so, uh, you know, I auditioned for it. And the way auditions work is you get an email from your agent uh, with some words. You record those words. You send off an MP3, and then it goes into the ether. And, you know, the only feedback you get is if you get the job. And then most... You're, the the level of rejection is massive. Like uh, you're, if you have a like one percent booking rate, you're amazing. So if you book one out of a hundred auditions, you're doing awesome. Wow. Um, so uh, that you've sounds like my a, dating life in college. Gotta be a glutton for punishment. Yeah. <laughs> well, you'd be great. At it. <laughs> Luckily, you had a yeah. hundred tries again, a night. Again, so, back to yeah. You know, did yeah. did you have success with the ladies in radio? Like, no. So I'm used to rejection. Like it's fine. Yeah. Um. So uh, I sent off that audition, uh, and then uh, my agent actually emailed me back, uh, which never happens, and said, uh, hey, I really like this take and this take. Why don't you send another round of takes you know, with, the, with just a little bit more whatever in mind? I'm like, okay. Uh, so I did, and um, forgot about it, and it was like you know, two, three weeks later or whatever. Uh, and then... She uh, sends me an email and says, uh, hey, uh, about the Ellen thing, we need to talk. But then that was it. It was so vague. Like, what do you mean? So I, I, I'll call you in a little bit. I'm like, okay. So she calls me a little bit, and uh, she's like, hey, hold off. Uh, something else has, has come down. Uh, I, I'm sorry to call you prematurely. I'll call you back another, you know, 10 minutes or whatever. I'm like, it's like such an emotional roller coaster to go up and down. Because, I mean, this is... By far, like the biggest deal uh, I've ever been involved in. That I, you know, I, I I've gotten close in a lot of things up and up until this point. But I mean, again, you you numb yourself to the rejection. You're sure. just used to it. So anyway, finally she calls me back, and then uh, she just goes in this long conversation about the ins and outs of of the job and, and the hours and what it entails and and the contract and whatever else. But she never says you got the job, and I'm like. Thanks for all this information. It's, it's great. <laughs> yeah. Sign um, me up, coach. So... But so what does that mean? And she's like, uh, you, you start tomorrow night. And then that was it. And then I hung up the phone. Wow. My wife and three kids were in the front yard. We're having a picnic in our front yard uh, when, when this went down. Uh, and then I just hung up the phone. And then uh, uh, Amanda w- was staring at me. And that's my wife. And, and she was like, so did you get it? I was like, I got it. And then I just gave her a big hug tears flowing wow. on oh, both of our awesome. faces wow. you know our, our our son at the time was two weeks old you know uh and then our other two kids were you know uh two and, and four and uh yeah it was uh it wow was, it was a big day uh, so describe how you work with the ellen show now so that particular gig uh is very unique in that they do everything same day as the show uh so uh, it's super fast turnaround so they're literally writing scripts while watching the show for for the promos for the show so they don't even start anything until 6 p.m dallas time they don't finish the show till 7 p.m dallas time then of course they have to get everything edited they've got to pull in the video and the audio and they've got to do the graphics and music blah blah whatever the voiceover is the absolute last thing they do when they do the voiceover then you know it's locked down they ship it out boom it's done so that happens usually between the hours of midnight and 2 a.m um, and that's, that's every day, Monday, Monday through Friday. And, um, so yeah, that's, that's how that gig works. Super so so you're around. going into your studio here, 
Mm-hmm. You're on Every call. night. You're yeah. on call between yeah. th- that time. Yeah. Yeah. But just to be clear, that's just that's just one client. Um, you know, I still have clients all through the day that uh, sometimes I have sessions that start as, as early as, you know, 8 a.m. Uh, and then I never know when I stop working because of, of West Coast time. So, for instance, like movie trailer campaigns, a lot of those, again, VO is the last thing that they do and everything's super last minute. Some of those they don't uh, even ask for auditions until 7 p.m. L.A. time. So that's 9 p.m. here. So it's uh, it, the day, it's, it's a very weird day. Yeah. Uh, and then with my uh, TV affiliate, so I work for a lot of like local news stations all over the country. Uh, in fact, until recently, uh, one of my clients was Channel 8 here. Um, and with news stuff, that's all like they need that as soon as the story happens. So there's no downtime when, when they send you that email for whatever the news story is. You got to get it back to them within minutes. Um, so, OK, and that's so you've got five kids. So I mean, like, like yeah. I mean. I mean, obviously, we've got children, and you may be at a recital or a uh, flag right. football game, and you get this email or text. Yeah. Are you are you frantically just booking it back home? No. To get well, to the studio, or I don't go far. First off, uh, secondly, uh, luckily with technology now, you can do anything from anywhere. So I carry a little mobile studio with me, which really? is, consists of a, a lap, not much different than your setup than you have here. Yeah. So laptop, mic. Uh, so you can go out to the car and record? Yeah, so, yeah really? cars are amazing. Uh, acoustic environments, yeah, they're great. R- yeah, yeah, that's a good point. You <laughs> can do a lot of things in cars, mm-hmm. which, I mean, we don't want to go go down that route. Doing that. No, doing but, that. no, but that's interesting. I mean, that's... I, yeah, that is fascinating. So, so, that, so, that so if you're, if you're at a game, your you're ballet recital, whatever it is, and all of a sudden it's like, we need something quick, yeah. you can just scoot out, yeah. Yeah, cut I, it, I, I book send it. I the car, cut done. it, send it out, run back in. And uh, and yeah, that's how that works. Wow. That, so now, granted, I can't do that with our twenty-month-old. So I've got to have my wife <laughs> with me. <laughs> yeah, those things yeah. go down. <laughs> but but yeah. So you can't travel far, and mm-hmm. you can't travel without your wife. Correct. That's that's wow. It's awesome. Okay, that sounds so like hell. I mean, <laughs> yeah. no, no, I'm wow. not, I only say that now. Here's 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 where the personal gets gets in gets in the way of of our esteemed guest right here. I mean, Brett and I can can sympathize with that, right? Yes, yes. Yes. So you've got a list of these clients that are permanent, ongoing clients. So, you know, like the affiliates, right. the Ellen Show, uh-huh. other ones. That sort you're of permanent. So all of these things uh, are, I, I can be fired at will from any of them in, in any given time. So there's there's yeah. zero job security. So like it's at will. Every, so there's every no, session there's no, is like my last guaranteed. session. Oh, really? Right. So every, there's every day I wake up completely unemployed. Wow. Every day. So, okay. so part of what you're doing is is not just doing a great voice and different voices and making sure you've got the voice that they're looking for, but doing right. quality work, and it's part of that being on call that, yeah. hey, Alan's going to deliver, we know it, and, and right. that that is kind of your brand of, yeah, I'll give you quality work on a consistent basis. and Instantly. On demand. Instantly, yeah. yeah. So I'm, 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 I'm a machine. Like, I'm not, like, you push a button, you press play, things come out of my body, and then we're done. Like, wow. that's a... Uh, that's how that works. So when they, we listened to a few of your, uh, not demos, but actual recordings earlier. Yeah. So what do they tell you? I mean, like when they are giving you voice direction. They, do, they don't tell you much of anything. Really? Um, I mean, usually there will be, in the audition process, uh, it depends. With, with like movie trailer and TV promo work, 
rarely is there any any direction whatsoever. They but just, because they, they in say that I world, want movie trailer voice. There's 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 a wrong way and a right way to do every facet of 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 voiceover. Uh, uh, movie trailer is a, is a very specific read, um, and there's there's really only one way to do it. Um, now there's there's little ways within that way to do it. I mean, obviously you're going to do a, a lot different movie trailer read for a horror film or a drama than you are a romantic comedy or a kids film or whatever. Right. But they all have a very similar cadence. Uh, it's it's all this very kind of roller coastery ride that everything goes up and then it goes down and it goes up and then it goes down and then you know the, the, the very end everything is super fast and you know title of the movie when it's in theaters and the rating you know that's always you know they always squeeze it in there at the last second tv promo work meaning stuff for like uh you know for fox or for you know nbc or cbs or abc whatever um all that the most important factor is time because they only have anywhere between five to 25 seconds that they're given in that, um, you know, there's only a few seconds in between sound bites for, for the, the voiceover part. Again, voiceover is the last thing that they do. Uh, and everything, all the decisions have been made up until that point before it gets to the VO guy. And none of those can be changed. So you have to make those words fit no matter how many words there are and how ridiculous it is. Yeah. Uh, you have to do everything in time. Yeah. Uh, and that's the most important thing in, in promo work. Uh, commercial work. Uh, for instance, I, I do a lot of stuff for Pizza Hut. Uh, I, I played you guys the the Trulia yeah. uh, campaign that I'm that I'm currently on, and a bunch of other stuff. And with that, it's a little bit more nuanced in, in that they're looking for like a particular guy, like a particular character. All the time, I see in auditions, you know, we're, we're looking for John Hamm, or we're looking for John Krasinski, uh, Jim from The Office, uh, you know, or we're looking for. Uh, Samuel Jackson, George Clooney, or Sam. I cannot tell you how many times I get an audition and they're looking for Samuel L. Jackson, <laughs> and I've booked it, <laughs> but I don't sound anything like Samuel L. Jackson. You got to read between the lines, so they're not really asking for Sam. So all of these names, like they could hire, like it's not like they can't yeah. find these people, um, but they're looking for this particular essence of this guy. Like if they say George Clooney, that means they're looking for a really cool, laid back, yeah. very matter of Scratchy fact, doesn't voice. try hard. He's yeah. just like, just laying it out there. This is what it is uh, type of guy. Uh, with somebody like Samuel L. Jackson, they're looking for somebody with a lot of, exp or not Samuel L. Jackson, but with, uh, um, oh gosh. John Hamm? No. Uh, um, Darth Vader. That's, That's a good one too. <laughs> What's his name? Oh, it's oh my gosh! I, I'm drawing oh a complete my, blank on I his totally name. Totally am too. But uh, he's got he's such a great Darth voice. Vader. Man. James Earl Jones. James Earl Jones. Morgan yep. Freeman is who I was thinking Morgan. of. Yes. Uh, yes. So, so when, when they ask for people like that, what they're asking for is somebody that's a voice of experience, somebody that's seen and done everything. Nothing can shock this man. Yes. You know, so so you, you got to read between the lines of, of what what they're asking for. So there's a lot more direction there. Commercial sessions last a lot longer. Uh, sometimes, like literally, you could just be saying batteries not included, and you're there for four hours. Is it because there's a creative <laughs> agency involved? And there's, there's a lot of hands, there's, there's a lot of cooks so in that many, kitchen. Yeah, there's so, so many there's hands a lot in the of kitchen and that, that has to be done. And, and that's one thing you have to learn on early in your career when you're there for four hours to say batteries not included. Your first inclination is like, I'm doing a really terrible job. 
Like, I've said yeah. three words, and I've, I've been here four hours. We've done 87 takes. What have I done wrong? Wow. And it's like, no, they're just getting every single option so they can please everybody. Wow. And then they always use take one. Like, every yeah. single time. Every time. So let me ask you a question. So, you know, speaking of batteries not included, so if you do it on the 87th time, is there not a point at which you say, Guys, no, you just no, I mean, no, I mean no. so, but in, internal, you're internalizing that though, right? I mean, uh, maybe you know, I, I mean, look, I don't know. I mean, it it depends. It's your job, I know. I get. I'm not trying, you know, but I mean, but after the 80 plus take, you're like, come. I mean, this is you got. Uh, I mean, me, no. I mean, I, I, I I'm very, very grateful to be able to get to do what I do. Like, yeah. it's, a, it's a privilege to do what I do. There's a lot of people that would love my job, and a lot of people sometimes are in that room <laughs> that are directing me on the other end that would love my job. Uh, so, uh, you know, you have to be aware of that. And, it's just you part know, of it. It's just, it's just part of the gig. And at the end of the day, I mean, if that's the, if that's the worst thing that has to happen, like, okay. Sure. Like, that's not so bad. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So yeah. I could, I'll do it 88 times. You know, what do you, what do you, yeah. what do you need here? I you get know? you. Because I understand the story behind it. I, I know the reason why they're asking it for so many times. And, and uh, yeah, it's just, like you said, it's just, it's just part of the gig. The only time that it gets hard is if they want a particular voice that's like, you know, real gravelly or if it's like shouting and a lot of yelling. Physically, that gets hard, you know, and you just can't do that that many times in a row. But, I mean, that's, that doesn't happen very often. Um, so, yeah, it's just, it's not a big deal at so, all. So when we were talking earlier, you, you were describing for us that you have multiple agents mm-hmm. and you have a manager. Yes. So kind of walk us through kind of what that, how that dynamic works for okay. you. Because, I mean, most people, the reason why I'm asking you is because most people would think, mm-hmm. I mean, I did, you have one agent and then, you know, maybe maybe a manager. I don't know. Right. But I mean, and so in your in your world, that's that's not the norm. No. So uh, I guess I could compare it to agents being a lot like uh, similar to real estate agents. That so imagine you're somebody that owns uh, a lot of properties all over the place, uh, and you don't have time to find buyers for these properties. So it's still your job to fix these properties up. It's still your job to maintain them. It's still your job to work on them and make sure in the right neighborhoods and blah, 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 whatever. Then you will bring in real estate agents to help bring you buyers to purchase your product. Yeah. Uh, And talent agents work the same way. Uh, So my job is to constantly be working on different styles of of voice acting and different projects. So even when uh, I'm not getting auditions, I'm still practicing on my own. I oh, talk really? to myself a lot. Really? Uh, yeah. I'm just in, in a room all the time. I'm, I'm uh, recording videos off of YouTube and transcribing the scripts and then practicing it on my own and doing my own versions of them. Wow. Um, I still do that. I'll still make my own demos. And, and I have also have an audio production background, so I will reproduce the particular promo or movie trailer or commercial. I'll find the music bed myself. You know, I'll find all the sound effects. I'll completely reconstruct the spot by itself on my own and then voice it. And I'll do that on my own So it's no different than a professional athlete, for example. Yeah, right? you're Where constantly you working you gotta out. you got to work out. you yeah. got to run the routes. you got to, you know, run the plays, yeah. whatever. Same thing. That's, an, that's, that's Yeah, you, you got to just keep, always keep loose, always keep fresh, always keep going. Because if, if you have too much downtime, it's like you're starting over from scratch every time. Yeah. Do you ever do play-by-play on the Rangers games anymore? No. Uh <laughs> So I did get to do the, – the closest I got was uh, – it was when I was working at KSCS, and Mark Cuban 
held uh, an open cattle call to be the uh, uh, the in-game announcer. Uh, Is that when they the replaced Kevin announcer. McCarthy? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So that's wow. when it happened. And so it was an open cattle call. And I went uh, partly because I thought it would be fun to do, but also it was like a stunt for the radio station. Right. I'd talk about it on the air and, you know, whatever. So I just go down there and they give you a little script. Basically, you just sit in the middle of a eighth or a, of a, not ATT Stadium, of a American Airlines Center and just act like a complete idiot, you know. And yeah. so I did that and I was one of the top five finalists. And then I got to call a game as my tryout. And. There is so much more involved than Let's Go Mavs. Like, I have no idea. You have to know so much. You've got to know the ins and outs of how the game is played. I did not know that the, this, the, the arena announcer is in charge of informing the refs the fouls for each player. He tells the ref two shots or throw two. it in oh, from the oh, side. Oh, really? So when he's saying two shots, he's giving them the information? Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah, I had no two idea. Shots. I don't know. Would, I, I guessed, yeah. How do you keep track of that? You have yeah. to know who all of the players are. You've got to know, you know, every single thing. And I knew none of that. I was just ready to go up there and say, let's go Mavs and defense. And, like, that's it. And then they give you a book uh, the, the size of a dictionary with all of the sponsors all the way through the game. They're like, all right, uh, E83 in three, two, go. Yeah, pizza Patrons, awesome. Thanks, guys. Yeah, yeah. And then that's it. And then um, so it was a complete disaster because before I knew all this, then, uh, then they tell me all of it, and I'm just sweating bullets. <laughs> and they see me. And somebody forgot to turn their mic off, and they're like, hey, guys, uh, this, this guy seems really nervous. <laughs> and I was like, it's because I am. Yeah. And they're like, sorry about Let that. Say that. Yeah. So anyway, uh, so then the lights go dark and ready to ready for the for the mass players to come out. Yes, Dallas you're Mavs. Dallas Mavs. You know, it was awesome. I was so excited. And then the lights go dark, and then they handed me, they changed the lineup, but they didn't give me the right card. So I call out the first player, and then somebody else runs out. No. And then I call out another player. Somebody else runs out. I'm like, Guys, so I'm I'm talking, you know, in just in the in ear mic to, to the rest of the staff. I'm like, guys, this is the wrong card. I don't know what happened, but th these aren't the. And they were just like, go, go, go. And I'm like, okay. And then I'm like, Dirk Davitsky. And then he doesn't run out like somebody else does. So that's how it started. And then about two minutes into the game, scoreboard goes out. Guess who becomes the official scorekeeper no for way. the game? No, not you. Yes. Wow. The announcer. And on top of that, having to inform the rest, it, it was just a complete disaster. And then Mark Cuban runs up to me, and he's like, dude, you need to get on your A-game, man. I can hire a six-year-old to do what you're doing. You need to get out there. And you're, you're like the DJ. You get the crowd involved. Come on, man. And I'm like, dude, I just I was basically caller 10, and I won this contest. Like, I don't know what's happening. And so anyway, I, uh, I did not get the gig. by Cuban. Did not get that job. I mean, listen, he's very passionate about anything he gets oh, sure. involved in. And, uh, you know, I understand how important of a piece that is no, sure. uh, for the games. And that was a really big deal to him. And, uh, yeah, I, that was, I was not so the guy for that So I've got a lot more job. respect for the guy that does it now. Because oh, I was yeah. going to say that there's a huge there Velveeta so factor going on There's so much going there. on. You constantly have people in your ear. You've got so much to keep track of. I mean, just like anything else. I'm sure that guy, you know, the, the longer that he does it, uh, you know, you get used to it and you, you, you know, catch up on those things really good. And clearly he knew a lot more about basketball than I did to, to start with. Um, but, yeah, that was, a, that was a nightmare. That that's, was that's so hilarious. hard. So you, you mentioned earlier also that 
that the voice over acting community is not necessarily a close knit community. No, because we're all so isolated. We're all yeah. over the country. Um, so there's really, you know, I'm I'm here in in Dallas, uh, but the majority of my work takes place in in L.A. And then even L.A. talent that live out there, um, they do everything from home because traffic is so bad. Uh, so they'll do everything from their home studios. And and there's other people that you know. I mean, you, I've got a friend that lives in or a voiceover colleague uh, that, you know, lives in, in the middle of, of the countryside in Ohio. And, you know, he does the same type of work that yeah. I do. Like, it just, it doesn't matter where you live anymore, but on the mm -hmm. downside, uh, there's there's not much community. There's not a lot of camaraderie and, like, you There's know, no convention, like I asked you earlier. Right. <clears throat> there's no, there's no you know, you know voiceover actor convention not, where you guys for, get together. Not for and established voiceover Share war stories. Uh, no, I mean, for, for... For newcomers, uh, yeah, there is. Uh, but, you know, uh, that, like I was also telling you, that's, that's kind of this weird dark side of, uh, of the voiceover industry that, uh, that some of these conventions are, in my opinion, a lot like, uh, like these real estate conventions get rich quick. And yeah. so there's all these booths lined up and, you know, there's all these people that are wanting to do voiceover and they're paying money to all these, you know, classes and Agents books and, and, and managers and somebody's getting rich right uh not to say that everybody involved in these things because there, there are le legitimate uh you know coaches and and people on there but there's just like anything else there's more there's more bad than than good uh to be got out of, out of that and uh yeah so so have you ever gotten a script to read in or script or lines or whatever mm -hmm. that the content was such that you said, uh, there's no way I'm One doing time. this. One that's, time. That's only happened once. One time. Uh, and it was only because, and it's not that my views go extreme either way, um, but it was a, a political AM talk station somewhere, and it was an audition for it, but it was so far towards one direction that I just, it, it was just, like, that's just a bad idea, just in general. Yeah. Like, let's say that does pick up steam, and then you do become the voice for that far right, left, whatever. It doesn't matter. And you're associated with that. Right. Yeah. And then next thing you know, like, that's that's just that's a bad idea. Not to say that I don't do political work, because I do. Um, Have you done political ads? Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Yeah. Um, but the political ads are different because they're a very short shelf life. So they're not on the air for very long, um, and it, it falls and out. And they're so local; they're yeah. they're they're not like a big national thing. They're extremely not just regionalized, but localized. So, you know, there's in my opinion, there's there's not. I, I don't I don't see a, a a downside to doing a bunch of that stuff. But with a radio station, like you're the voice that they hear more than anybody, twenty four hours a day, seven days a week. You've now become that brand, and yeah. that's to me. For me, that that w I thought that was a bad idea, and I didn't want to go down that road. But that's the only time that uh, I've ever like turned something down due to uh, content, and that's it. But wow. other than that, I mean, there's just not there's just not that much bad stuff out there, really. I mean, at least that that they have money to pay for. I mean, some of the really bad stuff. They, I mean, it's not gonna yeah not gonna yeah. have much of a budget, so it just doesn't doesn't come across my my inbox. So you've got. I mean, we've had some really interesting guests on, but I, I think I've got more envy right now than any <laughs> other guest, except for maybe Andrew Stevens was married to Kate Jackson. Yeah. That was kind yeah. of envious on that. Charlie's Angel. Yeah. So. It, it, it is the absolute Sorry. best 
job slash non job in in the world. But, mean, it, but the it bad takes a lot more work than I than I knew for sure. But you know, when it's I mean, what else am I gonna be doing? Well let's see. The downside though is you know, here it is, we're getting rather late at night and you're still gonna be working for four or five more hours potentially. Yeah. Yeah. I mean well for the the next four or five hours of my day is uh it's a lot like just sitting in a doctor's office waiting for him to call my name. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. But on the, on the upside, that means I get a lot of me time, which most dads don't either. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, uh, wife goes to bed, kids are in bed, uh, and then, you know, I get to, you know, do whatever I want between those hours. Uh, I mean, you know, with within moral reasoning. Um, and uh, that's that's a benefit. Really, so you know, yeah. I get to watch a lot of shows that that you know my wife doesn't like, and I get to you know read books. Period. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know exactly. many people that get to read books with yeah. five kids. Yeah. You know what I mean, and, and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, I I try to find the upside to everything. I try to find the the benefit to to everything that uh, initially poses a challenge and, and seems seems like a bummer, but uh, it's really not. Yeah. So who is who would you consider to be the Meryl Streep of voiceover acting in terms of just legendary actor, actress? Don LaFontaine, hands down. Okay. Uh, so Don LaFontaine is the original movie trailer guy. He's the He literally invented, coined the phrase, in a world. He's a, he was a guy in the Geico commercials. Do you remember oh. him? No, I mean, like, I mean, I've seen tons of you've, Geico You've heard his voice. Yeah. You, I mean, he, he voiced literally thousands upon thousands of movie trailers and, and yeah. TV network spots and whatever. Uh, by far, he he was the uh, king. The of, gold standard of, of... Absolutely. Of just not necessarily uh, his, his, uh, his portfolio of work, but it was just the massive volume of it and the story behind him, which is never going to happen again. So, for instance, the whole reason that In a World is even a thing is because of him. So he used to, uh, before he was a voiceover guy, he was also a studio executive. He was, a, he was the head of uh, Paramount Pictures. Uh, and before that, uh, he uh, was uh, the owner of a company that, that made movie trailers, which, by the way, movie trailers are called that because back in the day, they would play after the movie. Not at the beginning, but they play at the <laughs> end of the movie. So they were an afterthought. Like, movie wow. trailers weren't, there was no budget, wasn't a big deal, nobody really cared about them. Anything. Uh, so anyway, he uh, owned this company that that made movie trailers, and one particular trailer uh, was for an old western called Guns of the Navarone. And the voiceover guy, uh, for whatever reason, didn't show up to the session. Either he forgot, sick, who knows? He didn't make it. And the studio head at the time was like, "Well, Don, uh, you wrote the spot, and you make these for a living. I mean, surely you can voice it." Uh, and so his first trailer that he ever voiced was called Guns of the Navarone. Uh, and then more and more, then they started using Don to voice these things. But Don also wrote them. So Don wrote. He was the first guy to write in a world, in a time, in a place, blah, blah, blah. You know, that was yeah. all him. Uh, and the reasoning behind all those phrases, by the way, uh, were because it was the most efficient, quickest way to immediately transport the audience from their seat in the theater to somewhere else. Yeah. So you go from your seat to in a world. Yeah. You go from your seat that. to in a time. Like all this stuff, movie trailer especially, has a very specific purpose because they are really expensive words. Costs a lot of money to buy the airtime 
or, uh, well, I mean, not so much anymore with the web, but still it costs a lot of money to, to make these things. So these words, they, they, they are chosen very, very carefully. So anyway, uh, like I said, they just started choosing Don more and more and more, and then he became the guy, the it guy, and really Don, before Don, there was movie trailers weren't even a thing. Yeah. And then he you know, was on the forefront of them going before the movie. And he, you know, wrote all these things and he was a voice of all this stuff. And he basically created this entire industry. Wow. Um, and, you know, w w without him, none of us are here. Wow. Uh, he was by far the godfather. Uh, and I'm very uh, fortunate to say at, at one time at, at the end of his life, uh, we, we had the same agent. Um, and uh, I, I never got a chance to meet him, but he was so gracious Another thing I've always done my entire life, and I still do, is I'll reach out to titans of the industry, whatever the industry may be, uh, you know, just, just picking their brain. You know, I'm not necessarily asking what can you do for me, but, you know, how did you get to where you are? What right, did you right. do? What's yeah. your story? Yeah. Not how can I do it, but what's your story? And so I would ask that with all the guys. Joe Cipriano is, is another godfather. Bo Weaver is another guy. Don LaFontaine is the godfather of all of them. And I sent an email out uh, to Don, and he emailed back within minutes, telling me his entire life story. Yeah. Everything I'm telling you, he told me. Yeah. Um, and it's just people that are on the top, you know, there's, there's, they have, there's no fear. You know, the, the, yeah. Because at the end yeah. of the day, you just have to work. Just work. Just keep showing up and, and work harder and be the last one. Be the last first man one there, standing. Last so, one to, to mean, to that end, to that end, what is, what is the average shelf life of a voiceover actor? That's kind of up to you. Uh, I mean, it, it's it's until you want to do it. In fact, the, uh, another one of my clients is uh, uh, Nature on PBS, and uh, they hired me to uh, narrate. Oh, in fact, one of them's on right now. Uh, Nature, we'll, we'll turn on here in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> forgot about that. Uh, but at the beginning and end of uh, every uh, show, you know, it's a, you know, this was brought to you by this rich family <laughs> and, this rich, <laughs> and this rich guy. Uh, so the last guy to have that job, his name was Peter Thomas. Uh, he was also the narrator for Forensic Files. Uh, he, was a, he was the uh, American Express, don't leave home without it guy. Oh, wow. Uh, anyway, he had that job with PBS uh, until he died at the age of 96. That's the only reason I have this job is uh, because he, he passed. He passed at 96. Wow. So that's how long you can have this career. I mean, I guess part of, part of I guess, why I ask that question is because age, how age affects your voice. Yeah. If at all. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, it's, you, you don't sound the same now as you did when you were, you know, 13, I don't sound, 16, 21, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I mean, so I'd say I probably don't sound too much different from when I was like, after my, my voice never really changed. Like I didn't go through that Donald duck phase really. Yeah. Um, the so Brady was, bunch squeak. Yeah. I, n I never really had that. Uh, I mean, I, I think I, I don't think I've ever done a beer commercial. <laughs> like I don't know if I even is that, sound is old that, enough is that like that a dream yet. of yours? You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah, that's 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 on my bucket list. Uh, um, for Stella, is yeah, that, that's the. Um, but no, I, I I don't think your your voice quality changes a ton for a really long period of time. But what changes is your life experience and the things that you've seen and what you've gone through. I mean, definitely. Uh, you know, by having five kids, uh, I've seen a lot yeah. in the past nine years. Well, like going I, back to the Morgan Freeman example, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, uh, you know, I can say, uh, I, I can read scripts now and, and give a, a character that has a lot more confidence in, you know, whatever decisions they're going to make in life. I mean, with, with any script, even if it's a s super simple whatever, there's subtext behind everything, you know. And so you can confidently make those choices on how you're going to say these particular words without second-guessing yourself, without, like, at no time, uh, you know, should you ever give them what you think they want. Like, don't ever audition like that. Just audition, you know what, I'm reading this, this is how I think it should be wow. read, so this is how I'm going to read it. And you get the job, you don't, you know. It's, it's, a, it's a very subjective industry to mm -hmm. so where you can't do anything about it. I mean, it's the same thing as you... You walk into uh, your house and, and your wife says, okay, I've got five different shades of gray here. All right, honey, pick pick which shade is your favorite. And you're like... I like all of them. I like all of them. You know, they're all five different shades of gray. But she's right. like, well, no, this one's a little darker and this one's a little lighter and this one has a little more blue or whatever. So, like, um, in like my competition, we're all kind of in the same world. Like, our voices are very similar. We're just slightly different shades of gray or blue or whatever. And so you just find out what your particular shade is, and you only do that. Like, you marry. You have to make that decision. This is who That's I am. Great this analogy. is what I have to offer. Yeah. Uh, and you, you, you don't stray from that. So when, when you're, when you're uh, called to read some lines, and let's say you know, you're with your wife, one of your kids, and, and we all know how you know, hectic that can be. And, uh -huh. you know. So is there a mental process through which you go through that you decompress and kind of get in a zen voiceover mode? And, no. I mean, when, when, I, when I first started, sure, absolutely. But, but now, again, you know, not, I will never compare myself to a professional athlete, but I just, I'm, I'm always working just constantly. So since I am, I just, I just flip the switch. I just turn it on, and I, yeah. just, I just go. Uh, one thing I do have to be careful of is if I'm doing several jobs back to back to back to back, letting uh, the, the previous job bleed into this one if they call for two totally different things. So sometimes I have to shake that off. Uh, and then there's there's certain things you can do to, to shake that off. I mean, it's like a bad play. I'm going to compare you to professional yeah, athletes. Sure. Go for right? it. Yeah. You get burned as a DB. You're right. You don't give up the touchdown, but they're on the goal line. You got to get back out there and whatever and any of that means. Scoring, absolutely, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I love it. So with with five kids, do you go through like gallons of Purell a day to make sure you don't get a cold and change your voice? Oh, I've yeah. just gotten really, question. really lucky. Uh, I've, I've, uh, I mean, yeah, you'll get cold, colds and and you know flu and all sorts of I've never had like a I've never lost my voice like I've never had you know massive laryngitis, laryngitis or bronchitis or you know like that but the other thing is most of the work that I do it's all very short form so you can fake anything for 20 seconds you know I mean sometimes Monday will come yeah. out as Monday but you know you, you just try to you just bypass your nose so like right now I'm talking I will sound a little different subtypes but it's it's not going to be too different. Right. Now I'm talking with my. It's a it's subtle. You just learn so, how to do it. You just bypass. Yeah. Speak more from your chest. Speak more from your diaphragm. You know. So to that end, do you insure your? I mean, I ask. Yeah. Do you insure your vocal cords? I you mean, can. like professional. I mean, again, yeah. I mean, like. Yeah. You there are people can. who. Yeah. Yeah. And do have, have you done that? You you can do that. Yeah. Okay. Wow. That's fascinating. That is fascinating. Is, is there anything on us that we would ensure? No, no, definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> we, Absolutely I was, not. Yeah, that's, that just kind of shows where we are in life. 
So, Alan, thanks so much for hosting us, first of all. This oh, has thanks. been fantastic. Thanks for yeah. having me. Hanging out on a beautiful night. If, if you guys hear the wind a little bit through the microphones, it's because it's a beautiful night. We're sitting outside. It's awesome. One, one of the few nice evenings in Dallas, Texas that we can enjoy outside, so it's yeah. awesome. Yeah, very and, nice and to host us. I should say it's, it's less in your backyard and more the front yard of your studio, your yeah. office. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, again, thanks a ton for being with us. We really appreciate it. Hey, thanks yeah. for having me, guys. This is, this is awesome. This is fun. All right. Hey, I hope you guys enjoyed the show, and we'll come back soon with another one.